It's life on life's terms. Here we are, once again, we are live, the Life on Life Service podcast, and I'm Tom Robinson, and um, we are not affiliated with any 12-step program, although we are big fans. Yes, we are, and I am Christopher Mandeville, um, we're here at a New Wave Recovery Center in Quincy, on Quincy Ave, if you are in the area, stop by, they have lots of resources here, um, and... You know, like Tom said, uh, Life on Life's Terms podcast, lolterms.com. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. iTunes, Google Play. It helps us out quite a um, bit. We're on YouTube. Uh, yeah, that's right. YouTube as the Life on Life's yes. Terms podcast. Um, so tonight we have Mike. Um, it's kind of funny. Mike on the mic. Yeah. Mike on the mic. It's kind of funny. We were at um, Recovery Fest, which was a sober music festival. Awesome and festival. We had I shirts printed up. I don't, I don't we had up. shirts printed up for this. Tom's wearing one. LOL Terms podcast shirt. And I had no idea. I thought I had the only one. Nope. And I'm wearing this shirt, and I see this kid <laughs> wearing the shirt. And I'm like, hey, nice shirt. And he turns around, and he's like, oh. And, you know, Bobby, the guy that does all that computer stuff, had Bobby given Wall. one. Bobby Wall. Awesome kid. And, uh, Shout out to Bobby. You know, so that's how we started talking, and then now he's here. And then I find out he went through the treatment center that myself and Tom went through. So Yeah. So we're going to turn it over to him, and he's going to share his experience, strength, and hope with us. All right. Uh, Well, Mike um, grew up in Chelsea, Mass., and started drinking and, um, you know, drugging at an early age. I grew up in a good home. Thirteen. No, not 13, 14, 15. 14, Started okay. drinking. Uh, you know, it was a rough neighborhood growing up in Chelsea. Mm. But I came from a, a yeah. good home. Yeah. You know, I was like one of the very few white kids that was in that area. You know, I grew yeah. up skateboarding and, you know, I was into all that kind of stuff. And that kind of didn't fit in well in that neighborhood. And, um, yeah, know, right. I started getting into trouble. <laughs> a lot of fights as a young kid. And, um, it just progressed, you know, trying to fit into an area where I didn't really get to be myself, you know. So I started taking on different personas and I uh, started being able to, you know, change, having to change myself and who I was to fit the area, you know. And I lost mm. myself at an early age. And way before drugs got into the picture, you know, I was getting into trouble. You know, my life was unmanageable way early on. Yeah, like, right. I remember being in uh, Catholic school and just being like the outcast, always in trouble. You know, um, my mother had to come one day because I got a nun so mad she threw a book at me, hit me in the head. <laughs> was it the book? No, it wasn't the book. <laughs> but it was a book, pretty big one. Hardcover? Yeah. But I had that, <laughs> I had that uh, tendency to just be in trouble all the time. You, know. you had that way about you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and and I say that all the time. Like when I was a, when I was a kid, I don't care if it was good or bad. I just wanted attention. Absolutely. You know, like because yeah, it was negative. Or, yeah, it, was it didn't matter attention. what kind of attention it was. I just wanted it. Right. You know. 
So that's like, I think that's an alcoholic trait. Absolutely. But then we get it and we're like, oh, why is everyone looking at me? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Inside my mind, I would, like, I, 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 the self-esteem, I had none. You know, I was riddled with fear of what everybody yep. would say, what people would think. You know, I played hockey. I tried all these different sports. And so you were searching for identity. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we talk about that a lot and that identity is huge with us. Yeah. yeah, growing up, you're looking a, for for who you're going to be, who you're going to decide to be, and you're thinking about who you think you are and who that person thinks you are. Yeah, I want to be who they think I am. Right. You know? <laughs> right. I don't Absolutely. even like that, but I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah, and it was hard. It was hard, you know, going through that because I would take myself, uh, I would take myself out of anything before I even got involved in it, just because I was so into my thoughts and, you know, what is this person going to think? What if I mess up? What if I do this? What you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like it, it would just take me out of anything that I try to do. You know, it would take me right out of the game, and uh, that went on for years. You know, years and years of just trying to find myself or just to be okay with myself. You know, in my own skin. You know? Right. High school, getting into drugs, and finding that feeling of being, you know, drinking and, you know, being able to come out of my shell and, you know, yeah, it being comfortable, me to be a person that I was comfortable with. Yeah, you know? that's right. Even though it wasn't my true self and who I was, you know, I was changing obviously. But it gets it gets you away from that inner turmoil, that inner monologue for a minute. You're just like, yeah, the, it, it, it would slow. It quells the down. fear. Yeah. yeah, it quells the fear, and, and you can you can think, you can talk yeah. to people. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, I'd become the person I wanted to be. You know, outgoing, outspoken, confident. Even well, you got that excuse I was too. None of that. I yeah, was yeah, drunk. Right. You got that excuse. I was drunk. Yeah. Right. You yeah, know? that's the fallback. I was high. I was drunk. So, uh, you know, in high school, you know, dibbling and dabbling and just drinking parties, you know, smoking weed, you know, anything to just get out of that feeling, and then it just progressed. Um, my high school years got worse. I started getting into hanging around the crowds with, you know, the kids trying to fit in to that crowd so that I wasn't that outcast anymore. And mm-hmm. I started becoming, you know, the, the so-called tough guy and trying to portray myself as, you know, that. So, you know, I'd feel all right. And um, it just got worse. You know, I started getting into cocaine, selling cocaine, you know, which wasn't hard in Chelsea. No. In, those, in, the, <laughs> yeah, in the 90s, it was everywhere. Yeah. I grew up around. Like you know, selling bananas to monkeys. Everybody would leave school, and they'd be out selling coke. Or, you know, So it's like I just fell into that crowd, and I felt comfortable with them. You yeah. Know, it was like that was the second family I had. You know. Yeah, um, man. Absolutely. Because so, all my family, I don't have a lot. You know, My immediate family, there's nobody. I'm the black sheep. I'm the only one that's been in trouble. I'm the only one that's... Uh, do you, you think know, there was judgment? Drugs. Judgment coming oh, absolutely. down from the family. You know, there was definitely judgment, but uh, yeah, I just felt like you know they they didn't understand it, you know, because I was the only one. Yeah, right. Mm. And, uh, so now, what about your grandparents or like further down the line? Because I thought that it was just me, because my mom and my dad they weren't really drinkers or they really didn't do drugs. And then I found out that my grandfather was a full-blown alcoholic. I never knew as a child. Yeah, like I've had, you know, some uncles and, you know, I have yeah. three other brothers that grew up in Georgia that, uh, you know, two of them, you know, had their issues. And they're doing great now. They're, you know, excellent. They're clean. Yeah. Growing up and, in uh, Georgia drinking peach now. Yeah, and I got another brother that uh, <laughs> he, was, he was in the Marines stationed with us. He's a U.S. Marshal. So it was like... 
You know, he was the, uh, <laughs> he was the badass of the family. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, my, my disease progressed into um, the heroin. I tried heroin for the first time because I used to go to Lynn to buy, you know, Coke. And guys that were in that neighborhood would oh, go yeah. to the same place to buy dope, so I'd give them a ride. And then on the way back, they'd be uh, cracking bags. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, Two brown, one white. Yeah, and uh, the first time I tried it, I hated it. I was sick as a dog, puking all day, all night. You hated and, uh, it the first time. I hated it. Absolutely wow. hated it. I was so sick. I was sick yeah. as a dog. I, I hate this. Can any, I have some a more? sip of water, I would be puking. Yeah, you know? yeah. oh, I, I remember. I, I, was, I was going to work the other morning, going down Washington Street, and I see this girl walking, like kind of swaying, uh, and I look, and... All of a sudden, she just pulls her hair back, and she's puking all over the sidewalk, like over and over and over. And I was uh, like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to live like that. And then God. not, there, then the not grace of God. 10 minutes later, I'm on the job driving the truck, and I see this grandmother, like, warning her son, be careful, there's a truck. And she's, like, yelling at him, kind of. And then she goes to the bus stop, hands her kid off to someone standing at the bus stop. Runs across the street to another lady and does a drug deal. I'm oh, like, really? Yeah. So it was like, I don't know if it was like God being like, hey, remember? remember you know this? what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. It's it's just mm. up front and in your face every day, man. Yeah. Every it day. Is. Oh, and now it's it's horrible. Now it's it's sad. Just in the past month, I've seen about three you know three or four overdoses just you know coming across somebody you know just oh really yeah it's you know it's insane mm. yeah i was i was thinking about getting some of that narcan but i don't i, I don't keep it in my cooler any, i don't see anybody I don't dude i work out. in the city of quincy i keep it in my cooler like i, I have i have some too but it's yeah i don't know what it would do because you see the emts they get on scene they got to hit them with like 10 shots of it yeah it, you know they're not coming really out of it. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah it's, it's not 10 like it's shots because you know, the, the stuff they're on is so strong yeah it just wow. they don't come out of the overdose you know they there's big controversy of people saying that you know it's narcan resistant no it's not no. it's just they're so fucked up and the stuff is so strong it takes a lot of narcan to rip it off the receptors in the brain absolutely you know wow. it takes like like it's so expensive in the in the little things now that like on ambulances they have it straight iv yeah you know because it it they're charging so much for yeah, it and they're just they're going through so much, so much of it yeah Wow. Yeah. Supply and demand. And, and the same thing with uh, epinephrine. Like, yeah, like that's counties I, that's, are going bankrupt. Yeah, that's IV. Like, because an uh, EpiPen, dude, it's like 600 oh, yeah. bucks. That's, that's for the. That's, that's for the anaphylaxis. Uh, yeah, that's anaphylactic for shock. Yeah, beast things or whatever. That was price gouging, though. That's not. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I could. Uh, that's not supply and demand. That's out of whack. Now, right. there's a big demand for Narcan. Obviously, it's it's a crisis. It's a epidemic. Yeah. It's. But they find out that our first responders need it, and they jack the price up. Right. Yeah. You know, because the states and and towns and cities are paying for it. So, oh fuck it, we can make money up there. Right. Yeah, Just stealing their own money. So Ca cause the problem and fix the problem. It's yeah. a beautiful business plan. Oh, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yeah, recovery's becoming uh, quite the business now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's becoming a shady business too, which like, is sad. But it brings money, you know. To yeah, un unfortunately, it is a business now. Right, get rid of that. Yeah. So, uh, back to my drug well, addiction and my many uh, years of yeah. So you misery. got a brother that's a U.S. Marshal. Yeah. Um, yeah, he stayed with us when I was younger, and I almost joined the service. 
And uh, my mentality back then was just that I'm not going to go to a place where they're going to be yelling at me and telling me what to do. And then uh, just you know, it ended up being that in just a different situation. Mm. You know, so you're selling you're selling coke and using the money to buy heroin. Yeah, it ended up being <laughs> that. Fantastic! What a that's like another good business plan. Yeah, 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 great business plan. <laughs> yep, yeah, that worked out well. It's like quite as profitable. Like a monkey well. selling bananas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you know that was never enough, so it would turn into whatever all the hustles and yeah, you know, yeah, a full time job would get in the way of me getting high. Oh, I had to rip and run, steal, rob. Yeah, you know? I I always worked. I just worked. That's all I could do. I've worked, you know, throughout my life. I've always had jobs as well, but uh, I'd you know I'd screw them up. I you know mm-hmm. late and you know showing up because I got to get high first. I got to get drugs before I can go to work. Yeah, I can't be sick. Yeah, always late. Absolutely, you know, and they only put up with that so much. So, mm. but I was always a hard worker. You know, I always worked crazy hours, 60, 70-hour work weeks. I, you know, I towed for many years. Oh, really? I've done construction, demolition. You know, I've been a jack-of-all-trades, but, you know, I just couldn't keep them going. You know, with the habit and with the addiction, it just came first before yeah. anything. Yeah, everything. It, makes, it calls all the shots. Yeah, absolutely it did. And uh, It's, it's such just, a sad thing. It's it's just, yeah, it was miserable for yeah. many years. You know, it ran my life. And everything came backseat to it, you know. Mm. And um, it was just, it was tough to get to the point that I'm at now. And I'm just, it's amazing where I'm at now. But, you know, high school years that I started getting into trouble, getting arrested, you know, for possession, for distribution cases. Uh, really? Yes. Nothing, no distribution must have never stuck, though. The, no, I actually, the, the distribution case I had didn't stick. <laughs> which I was lucky for. Because you'd probably be still back there in jail. Yeah. No, I actually got lucky with the Annie Dugan law. Oh. Oh, I had a friend yeah. who got off on that. There was actually another lady that worked in, I think, the same lab or a similar lab. And I think all told is like 40,000 cases that got dismissed. Yeah, there's like one that's going on now. Yeah. The lady wow. was taking tons of drugs home and she was like. Yeah. You know. Wow. Well, it was meant to happen. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, you know? So, yeah, my addiction, I I was in trouble constantly. Chelsea's a small city, so yep. everybody knows me there. You know, the police know you. You're stuck into trouble. And I, it reached a point where I was just tired of getting arrested. And uh, <laughs> I, the, girlfriend, yeah. the, girl, the girlfriend that I had at the time, she had a brother that he would run. Every time, and the kid would get away. Like amazing, ridiculous situations out third story bathroom windows onto roofs. So I said, "You know what? I, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna try running. I'm gonna just start running." Run. You know, and, I, and I did, and that made the cops a lot matter. So yeah, yeah, you know, they, it was just uh, it got. Yeah, crazy. didn't you experience? We know who that, you man. are. Didn't you experience that or the high speed chase that made him kind of mad? Oh, several, yeah. several. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm still trying to get it. My mug in my booking photo. Plymouth House Correction. Oh my God! I um, hate to see mine. Oh, 120 pounds. I look like Jesus. <laughs> I did on uh, at, at the end of what he went through. Yeah. yeah oh my! You, that's they the beat scar the crap from, out of you, right? Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> hell yeah! Because yeah. I, dude, I smashed through a, one of those big metal gates at a, at a park, Ames Knoll State Park, and the thing spun around through the woods and smashed into the cruiser behind me. Oh God! Yeah, it was Ooh. it was ugly, and I don't I don't blame him, man. I didn't care. I no, ran because I, I didn't want to be sick. Exactly. Right. Just, just don't, don't want to be, be sick. sick. 
anything not to be sick. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, Lights went on, foot went down. Whoop! And yeah, that's how it became for me. <laughs> yeah. Anything to get away, just yeah. to not sit in there. And it and would always be a Friday that I'd get locked. Uh, yeah, all Friday. fear. Sit there for the weekend. It was all fear. And by the time I got to court, I was like sick as a dog. I couldn't even walk in. They'd have to carry me into the courthouse. Yeah, yeah. we're going to give so, you this, that, and that. Can I get out today? Yeah. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. Don't yeah, even where care. Where do I sign? Don't even yep. care. Five years probation. Guilty, sure. sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how it went. And that's why my record's probably so bad. Because a lot of things I didn't even do. Uh, yeah. But I still, <laughs> I took the plea just to get mm-hmm. out. You know, just not to be sitting there sick. Yep. You know, so. Yeah. Been there, done that. So, I mean, I made a few enemies on the police force that no matter when they would see me, they'd grab me. You know, strip searched, you know, you know, whatever it was, they'd grab me. You know, whether I was doing something or not, they just yep. knew me. So yeah. it was, you know, in and out of jails constantly. I did a lot of time. I didn't stay on the street long because I'd get out, I'd relapse, I'd get high, and I'd go right back in for something stupid. Yep. You know? No solution. No, no, didn't know how to stop doing what you were doing. No, and I tried for, you know, my effort was there. I didn't want to be that guy that I became. So, I mean, I went through so many detoxes, just in and out, Somerville, Danvers, everywhere. I was in the mall, you know, and uh, it, it reached one point where before I did my first time um, in jail, I had got probation. They, you know, had me stipulated to do program, and I'd make it into the halfway house, and I'd make it till I get that first pass. And then right when I get that first pass, I'd get high and I'd screw up violate probation they'd give me another chance go a few more months into another program through the whole routine again same thing pass screw up get high violation and it just got to the point where it's classic really i ended up i I just couldn't do it i gave up and i said you know i I just want to go do this time and get this over with you know i would have been done already oh yeah give me my time that's and it was hey, like, that was the thinking that, you know, I just yep. can't do it. Because like, I did the same thing. Like, I did 30 days in Bridgewater, got out, swore I wasn't going to do it again. Six hours later, I was high. Yeah, So then I, get, then I get pinched again, and it's two months later, and I, I knew enough that I had just proved to myself, if I get out, I'm going to get high. I, they, I was in jail for three weeks. I was just finally getting some sleep. They bring me back to court. They're like, we can get you out today. And I'm like, nope, guilty. Give me my time. Because I knew yeah. I was going to get high, and I didn't want to anymore. It was right. the, probably the best decision I ever made, like, you know, for for my sobriety, not knowing that that's what it would turn into. Because right. that's mm. in Plymouth is where I found Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, after I went through the house, uh, turnabout house the first time, um, whatever happened for a couple of years, I re- relapsed, little bits of time, relapsed. And then I, that last vicious run, when I got arrested, I did the 30 days. And when I could, I started writing Dan Bourne, um, you know, please let me back in. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, I, I, if I go back out there, I'm going to die. I knew I was going to die because mm. there was nothing stopping me from getting not being sick anymore. Because, I, I, you know, I knew that, you know, once I was going to be sick, all bets were off. And, and that yeah. was, it's scary. It's a scary place, you know. Yeah. Fear. <laughs> well, yeah. It, everything's driven by fear. Everything that Everything. we do. Uh, you know. And I remember... Uh, when I went to that court that day, my mother was in the courthouse, and uh, 
And I told her, I'm just going to take this time. I'm going to go to jail. And I'm going to, you know, just, I have to. Like, this is something I have to do. And she was going to start breaking down crying. I said, like, I need you just to be strong because I'm not going to be able to do this if you're crying yeah. here. And she, you know, she she held it together. Mm. I went, I asked to just be put in jail. And I went to Bill Ricker for a couple of years. And I loved it there. As sad as that sounds, I loved it there because I like I found myself again. Like I yeah. was normal, I was clean, I had structure, you know. Yeah. And that's yeah. not like, and I don't. I could understand. Praise that. prisons or jails at all. Like they're not the place to be, especially right. now. No, not like no way they to live to, at all. But yeah. it's better than ripping and running. But it was like sticking for a needle so in long, arm. getting high, running around, you know, shooting dope and you know doing robberies and you know stealing and. You know, yeah, it, it just brings I some type do. of normalcy. Yeah, it's like right. I mean, was, you're locked up. People are telling you when to. That. Yeah, just like, just a little bit of normalcy. It's it was crazy. good. Yeah, it was yeah. like I was. I felt better. I was clean. I was working out again. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, yeah, you know that the the real me started to come back out. You know, mm-hmm. and I thought, even though you know, it was in that setting, it, it felt good to be yep. that person again. It's like in turnabout. You know, it turned to it turned out to be like a a, a threat, like. It went from like something you really wanted to do, getting high, to if you don't straighten your act up, you're going to be out getting high again. You know, it's like, right? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you don't change the guy that walked through that door, you're going to get high. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I don't want that. Right. You it know? made you think about everything that you had been through, and that right. got you to that moment. That's right. You know. Yeah, I mean, so I did time and got out, and right back to the same thing. Yeah, oh, it really? was actually funny because I had a girl that I met before I went in. And it was a short relationship, but uh, she stuck by me through the whole bit. Yeah. Money every week. Yeah. Wow. Sexy pictures. Like, she was the best. <laughs> you know, she, was, like, she was awesome. And uh, I did my time. Short to getting out, she paid for a cruise. Like, everything was all wow. set when I got out. And this is a funny thing is I get out. The cruise got pushed a little bit. So I was on the street a little while, and I started using again. Ah. Uh. So I had a habit before this cruise. We had to go to, we had to drive to Florida, and from there we went to the Bahamas. This is, this is the funny story. Oh, no. So now I got a habit. Uh, I got clean for like three days before we went, but then I thought it was a good idea to buy a bundle uh, or a brick and, you know, to bring with me. It was a couple bundles, something, I don't know. By the time we got to Florida, it was gone. Oh, yeah. Sick as a dog. (laughs) Couldn't find dope anywhere. Nothing but crack, coke. So I was hurting. First few days I was in the hotel. I'm trying to find weed, something just to take me out of that. Yeah, so it's like we had to go to some stupid thing. What was it? It was like... the timeshare. Oh, time yeah. Of, you had to visit the timeshare yeah. to get so the cruise like, for a certain price. This is like the third day. So I'm starting to like come up, you know, over it. You know, I'm talking to my buddy on the phone. He's like, you know, get some vodka, take, you know, drink some. You'll start feeling better. Yeah. And it worked for like a half an hour, an hour. By the time I got to the hotel that we had to do the timeshare, I was sick as a dog, puking in the middle of this big grand hotel. <laughs> <laughs> like I felt it coming. And I said, oh, man, like this is not good. And I'm trying to find a bathroom. I didn't even make it. It was like the huge, um, you know, big waterfalls and the fountain and flowers. And I'm puking all in, <laughs> in the in the mulch. In the right fountain? Into- yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. So we go through this. Now I oh. meet, the, you know, like the concierge, the guys that come park. Concierge, the kids, yeah, yeah. You know, they all get out the hookup for the weed. So I'm yeah. talking to some kid there, and, I, you know, he gets me weed. He's telling me this stuff is the best. It's one step up from crib. He's giving, you know, putting names to it. I get the weed. Now I'm driving around trying to find papers or something to smoke it in. Yeah, yeah. 
in Florida where I have no idea where I'm at. Finally find papers, roll up a joint, smoke a joint. It's garbage weed. Nice. It does nothing. So now I'm, you know, I still feel like I go back. I get my money back from the kid. <laughs> you know, it's just everything with this whole vacation was a nightmare from the start. We ended up getting on the cruise ship. <laughs> we get to the Bahamas. I'm still in the mode where I want to find, you know, weed. When I get over there, the taxi guys are telling me how, this, you know, everything out there is fucking good. The weed's oh, yeah. good. Yeah. So now I'm trying to find weed in the Bahamas. And uh, <laughs> I go to this store. Some guy, you know, directs me to this store where they sell weed. Now I'm in the store. My shit luck. I'm in this store. And then there's F-150s and trucks pulling up with guys jumping out with, you know, AKs and AR-15s running in the store. They're raiding the store while I'm in there trying to buy weed. And I just bought (laughs) weed. So now I got weed on me. I get arrested in the Bahamas. Oh, no. Uh, Yeah, I get arrested in the Bahamas. So someone, (laughs) you know, higher power, whatever, is saying, dude. Like, get figure it out. Yes. (laughs) Like, what what the fuck are you doing? Absolutely. You know? So now I'm sitting in the Bahamas. In the jail. Uh, yep. And I did time before, so now I'm in this area where there's all blacks. And my thinking is like, man, it's going to be problems. I'm the only white dude here. But it was the complete opposite. Like, the really? people out there were awesome. Mm. You know, I, you know the people that come That's out there, good. it's like we're That's tourists. Cool. We're, the, you know, we're their money. So yeah. I met this one dude that was in the cell with me. I'll never, ever forget his name, Marvin Bodie. And uh, he was like just the best dude, and he like he had connections out there. He had a cell phone. He had the cops bringing in food. If it wasn't for him, I had no <laughs> contact with my people to get out of there. Right. So, so what this girl do? She just dipped. She, she, yeah, she dipped. It's like I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> she went back on the cruise, finished the vacation because she had to go from there. After the cruise, it was back to Florida and then Orlando, you know, and it continued on. Then so she had she, to drive home by herself. N- yeah, I think she drove home. Oh. But uh, I'm sitting in the Bahamas in, like, central booking in the Bahamas, which was, like, a third world, you know, jail. There's no bathrooms. There's nothing. It was horrible. Yeah, like, yeah. they're trying to put bleach on the floor because there's rats and there's cockroaches everywhere. And there's, like, ten yeah. of us in this little cell sleeping on the floor, like, feet to head. And it was just insane. Like, it was wow. nuts. But the dude that was there that had the hookup was, like, the cops were bringing him uh, gin and juice and concrete plates and you know, it was all right. I'm using the phone, calling home. Like, I'm in the Bahamas. My buddy's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I got locked up in the Bahamas. I'm in jail in the Bahamas right now. Yeah. So now I'm calling. cell phone. The, yeah, and I'm calling the U.S. Embassy now and going through this whole routine because it was a nightmare to get out of there. What so, were you looking at for time for weed? I have no idea. I, I really, I don't know. But uh, they did weren't they too happy English with it. speak English there? Yeah, they did. They spoke English. Yeah. Um. I didn't know what to do. Like, do I fight this? Do I, yeah. you know? It's like, this is like an episode of Locked Up Abroad. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the guy's telling me that, you know, all the all the guys that are in here, the young kids, they're all in here for murder. The murderers that are all doing time, they're all like 15, 12. Yeah. You know, wow. like it's crazy. And they're there. doing that shit to, to survive, wow. to feed yeah, their families. To survive, yeah. yeah. So if it wasn't for this dude, like, I wouldn't know what to do. He's like, he's just coaching me through it. Just go up there, apologize for any inconvenience of caused the country or the people. And, you know, so I did that. And uh, I got, like, a $500 fine banned from the Bahamas. And uh, I can never <laughs> go back to the Bahamas, which is, you know. Well, maybe you can make an amends for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> end up back in the fucking So jail. now 
<laughs> I go through this process. Now I'm calling. I get back and I'm using this phone. I'm calling. I got to get money sent up. I got to get a flight taken care of. Yeah. And it's all like last minute now. So it's like down to the like 11th hour. I got like 20 minutes, not even to get to the airport. The flight's going to take off. And uh, I ended up making it. They finally let me, you know, they walked me cuffed to a Western Union to get the money. They brought me there, shackled, wow. shuffling through the streets of the Bahamas. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like feeling like a real loser. Yeah, yeah right. You know, I get the Look money. Look at the gringo. They, they bring me back. And uh, <laughs> I get, I, you know, I'm waiting and waiting. I paid the fine. And it's like to the last minute. And Saj, I'm, ye- I'm in the back yelling, like, I want to get out of here. Like, my flight's going to take off and I'm going to be screwed here. Mm. So finally they bring me out. <clears throat> and the guy says... He gets me a taxi guy. He says, I don't care what you do. Just get this kid to the airport. I made it to the airport just in like the last seconds of them shutting the plane before I got, you know, I just made it. And wow. uh, went from Bahamas to Miami, got a connecting flight from Miami to Boston, and uh, got hammered on the way home. Of course you did. <laughs> of this, course. There was this awesome dude that was a stewardess there that was hitting on me the whole flight. <laughs> So I'm getting Hooking free it up. drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the time I hit Boston, I was. I They're was not stewardesses no more. They're flight attendants. Flight attendant. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a dude. Attendant. Yeah, it was a dude. And yeah. Uh, yeah so that wouldn't be a stewardess. That would be a stewarder. Stewarder. Flight attendant. Flight attendant. Yeah. So I mean, I got back to Boston. The first thing I did was called my friend. I called him from the plane. I was like, "Make sure you're at Logan with dope." Yeah. Instantly. Uh, I gotta yeah. get high. How so? Everything how long I went through? I how long were high. you in jail in the Bahamas? It's like a week and a half, maybe. So you were not sober, but you weren't. You didn't have a habit. No, I didn't have a habit. By the time I was there, I was like getting over the last yeah. bit of it. I still felt like crap, but so I mean, you weren't. Well, actually, when you when you talked to this dude, you were sober. Yeah, and you consciously made this decision to get shit faced on the airplane and then have someone waiting for heroin with you. Yeah. You know, well, that's because in do. my mind, yeah. everything I went through, I, 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 deserve, I deserve to get, to high. get high. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been in Florida and the Bahamas trying to get dope, and I couldn't find it at all. Yeah. So now, even though I'm past being sick, I'm over it. Exactly. I'm in a good place. Yeah. You know, I, so right let me, back, let me, I let me ask again. you a question. Did you ever talk to that girl again? <laughs> no, that was rough <laughs> after that. No. That was like the end of that. She yeah. like woke up. She's like, you know what? Maybe this isn't so cool. Yeah, maybe this dude isn't who I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. I just went through a few years with him in jail. Right. Get that, out, go to bring him on vacation, and he gets locked up yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah. So she figured it out, I guess. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, no, I went through a lot of relationships like that. Mm. And some were good. Like I the just, tornadoes in people's lives. Yeah, oh. I, was just, I would yeah. ruin everything. Yeah. You know, I was just like tear everything apart, you know, destroy it. Well, that was me. You know, that was my addiction. It just brought everything and everybody around me down. Yeah. What, uh, what, um, how'd you get to Turnabout? All right. So this was like, I got out of Bill Rick uh, probably like 99, I want to say, or 2000, somewhere around there. The whole Bahamas trip. And, uh, you know, I'm back in Boston now doing the same thing, running around, running amok, you know. And, uh, my addiction was bad at this time. So I was just running crazy, you know. And um, I had a bunch of open cases. I had cases in Salem, Lynn, Malden, Chelsea. So I was just, it got to a point, I don't even know how I had so many cases open, and I was still on the street. Yeah, right? Because they cut you loose on one case, and you get in trouble. You're supposed to get locked up. Right. So it's like I had a bunch of cases open, like... 
and it got to the point where I ended up, the girl that I was with now got pregnant. So she's pregnant with my daughter. You know, it ended up being my daughter. Um, so I'm running amok. I got cases. Now I ended up defaulting on one of them. So now I got all warrants for all these different counties because I didn't yeah. go to this one, so I can't go to any of the other ones. Yeah. And now it's just I'm trying to stay out so that my I can see my daughter's birth, you know, be there for her when she's born. Mm. And, um, like, my... My daughter had a rough birth because her mother had cancer and she was on pain meds. And, you know, so she ended up having to be with, um, withdrawn off. and weaned off yeah. from. So, wow. But it, wasn't, it was it was because of payment. Because of, yeah, payment yeah. occasions because her mother went through cancer. So hmm. I ended up staying so. out long enough that she was born. I was able to be there for that. And then she got transferred to Spalding. So now shortly, at, maybe like a week after, she's going through hell there, yeah. you know, sick. The only time she would be quiet and not crying is when I would hold her. I'd have her on my chest next to my heart, and she would be quiet. She, you know, she'd fall asleep. Mm. Besides that, she was like a mess, screaming, you know, at the yeah. top of her lungs. Just well, hurting, I mean, you know, hurting. Yeah, she, yeah. she couldn't say what she was going through, but we no, do the but same I knew shit. What she was going through. We do the same shit. Right. But yeah, we can verbalize it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So now here it is. I'm trying to stay out and just be there for her, and I finally get caught. You know, it was in the morning time, going to catch the bus to go. Oh, you weren't sober at this time. Actually, no, I wasn't. But I didn't have a habit. I was like dipping and dabbling. Yeah, chipping. Yeah, I was chipping. Um, So I'm just trying to stay out for that. You know, for her. And finally, I mean, I got all these warrants, so they're looking for me. Uh, And we'd go early in the morning to head over to the hospital and one morning uh there was an officer that saw me and i ended up taking off and he you know he called it in he found out that he you know my name and he checked my name so he must have known that the warrant popped up but i ended up taking off and he lost me so then a couple mornings later (laughs) same thing early in the morning we were waiting at a bus stop i was standing facing out in the street i had a hood on my girlfriend was standing in front of me and i see a cruiser go by with two guys and I see it stop. And then all of a sudden, I see the cruiser backing up. He let one of the cops off in front on the side, and he backed up, and they tried to get me. And, you know, so they tried to you know, surround me and get yeah. me. I ran. Uh, one of the cops tripped trying to get, you know, trying to grab me. He tripped. So that was assault and battery on a cop. Wow. And now, as I, you know, they were pissed about that. I didn't have any drugs on me. But then I ended up in the report saying that uh, I threw drugs. So now they, you know, they're trying to really get me now. Yeah, yeah. So here I am that night after going through court. I'm in Nashua Street. I wake Nash. up first thing in the Gross. morning. Absolutely, I wake up first thing in the morning. I look out the window. Directly across the street is Spalding Medical Center, mm-hmm. where my daughter's at, and so going through Nash. everything she's going through, and I can't even cross the street. Yeah. To be how'd there that, for her. How'd that feel? That was just, the, you know, that was a big wake-up call. So, Get grace it. of God, all these cases I have open, I got, I had like 10 years hanging over my head. And I got the break of a lifetime. Like, it was a crazy amount of years probation, drug court, and I had to go to a program. So, I went mm. to Project Turnabout. Right. So, Marie Burke, she had something to do with the, getting you over there? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep, she helped me to get over there. She helped a lot of people. And uh, I think if I had went through that house at any other period in my life, I wouldn't have made it. 
but I ended up there when I was supposed to be there, mm. and I ended up there with a good group of guys, and uh, it just made it all right. You know, it was like there was a lot of sobriety there. Guys weren't fooling around. Right, it they was a wanted tough house. To be sober. Right, and uh, it, like we got rid of the people that didn't want to be there, the guys that were coming in again. Hi, right. You know, we got rid of them. You know, it was just it was a tough house, and the dudes that were there and the group of guys that I was in there with. We took it seriously, and this was the first time in my life that I was actually taking my recovery seriously. Right, but do you think it was because you felt a part of a group who was taking it seriously? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. When when I was there, like I was, I was so serious. People didn't want to tell me what was going on. Yeah, you know, because you had a, something inside of you that you were, weren't going to be denied. Yeah, That's, like people were getting high in the house. It was like, bro, either. You go talk to staff, or you just pack your shit and you leave. Uh, that's how it was with us. Like, yeah. I, either, you know, I'm going to want to get high, or someone else here is going to want to get high. Well, yeah, it's going to take somebody out. Yeah. Some some people are sitting there. They need to, to feel uh, like they're surrounded, and they're in a pack that's going in the right direction. Yeah. And as soon as that pack doesn't know which direction it's going in, then they're like, oh, fuck it, this ain't working, and they go get high. Yeah. I mean, I, you know what I mean? you got to re- have a, a togetherness sometimes. Yep. I, w- I remember I was on reentry. I was there like eight and a half months, and I come back from, at the time we had 48-hour passes. You leave Friday, you come back Sunday night. Yeah, that's night. the last phase. Yeah. Right. And um, I come back, and someone said something to me. This kid, Craig, he's, he was a fisherman, did scallops. He's like, bro, this place is fucked right now i'm like what's going craig, on craig i remember craig i was like what's going on? yeah the ball-headed Jack, kid jacked craig, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um if you're out there craig what's up buddy what's up craig um, <laughs> he's like dude this house is fucked and i'm like what's going on he goes because they had a car wash that weekend and uh, i yeah. missed it uh, so yeah. this kid everyone goes down to dinner he goes up into the staff office breaks in steals the money leaves gets dope and comes back before dinner's even over <laughs> right <laughs> so then him and two other kids get high uh, and I come back from this past. Now this is Sunday, and you know this this kid Craig told me you know who was all involved. I go down; they're all in the same room. They're in bed, and I'm like, "Fucking high roll bed, dude! Like, what are you doing?" And the kid turns <laughs> over, and I'm like, "Why? Well, just you can see it, you know what yeah. I mean? It's all it's red around his eyes." Change. And then this this older cat, Tommy Hurley, just did like 18 years. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. He's Tommy like, Hurley. he's like, dude. Just just let this one slide. You yeah. know, like they, they said they won't do it again. And I'm like, listen, I don't have to be here. You get hemmed up, you go back to jail for a long fucking time. Yeah. I'm like, if you want to rubber stamp that, that's fine. I'm not. So Dan Bowling comes in Monday morning. I had a council session. I was like, I want my outdate. He goes, what's going on in the house? <laughs> he knew. He knew because yeah. I, I, I didn't have to be around that no more. No. I was serious about my recovery. Like, if I was going to a meeting and you wanted to sign out with me, motherfucker, you better be at that meeting because I'm not getting hemmed up for you. Yeah. If you if you don't plan on going there and sitting inside, don't, don't fucking don't. sign out with me. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, no addict ever said, I'll never do it again. Just this one time, more time. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No one ever said that. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, that was a good experience. Now, you got that experience, right? So what happened after that? 
Oh, Project Turnabout was it was awesome. It was like the first grounding I had. Yeah, the first touch of real recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've been through detoxes, been through halfway houses, but never really was into it. You know, so I say like I ended up there at the perfect time. Yeah, and I was telling if I had ended up there any other time before then, I wouldn't have made it. You know, just my mentality wasn't there. Yeah. You know, so I ended up there with a good group of dudes. And People called you on your shit. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it was like the red seat meetings. Oh, yeah. Accountable. Unbelievable. Held accountable. Yeah, exactly. Made you aware of your behaviors, right. you know? And then like, not only that, is having Dan as a counselor. Yeah. Like, he brought shit out of me that I didn't even know was there. Oh, yeah. Like, here I am, this, you know, tough guy, and I'm coming out of there with fucking tissues, wiping my eyes. Yep. He's like... Yep. Oh. He would pull stuff out of me that I had no idea would affect, you know, they were affecting me for years. <laughs> yeah. Things that I didn't even realize. Yeah. Know, that were deep down issues yep. that I yep. never dealt with. Crazy. You know, so Crazy. Like, I, told, I, I told him I was, I was thinking of getting back with my girl. I, I told him my story. And then the next day he goes, we're going to have another session tomorrow. Like after I finished telling him my story. <laughs> so in the following session, he tells me my story. And I'm like, that's <laughs> fucked. He goes, and you want to go back to that? <laughs> he had a yeah. good way of making you yeah. think like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was nothing different. No. It was just presented to me differently. Exactly. Yeah. Than, than how I had perceived living it. Fucking crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I graduated the house. And, uh, Did you walk the stage? No. No. Yeah. Because no. when we went through there was um they only had one graduation a year one a year and it didn't matter and it was usually around october or september october or something something like that that. yeah and uh honestly i don't remember if i walked the stage or not you had if say you finished in november you You had had to to stay sober all the way through until the next graduation and walk the stage that's right and that's how it should be yeah Name me a program that does it now. None. 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 Absolutely. None. And then after it, they moved and went over there, they had graduations like all the time. And Give those numbers to the Department of Mental Health. Also, did you do um, re-entry? No. What was it? Re-entry. Re-entry, yeah. Was it re-entry? Yeah. Transitions. Transitions group. Transitions group. Transitions group. Yeah. Where you left the house and you had to go back and- when we were in there, it was it was like you just came and went whenever. Like there was no certain like number you had to do, and like a bunch of us came up with, listen, like we have to be accountable in this house. Why don't we have to be accountable in this transitions group? So we came up with you have to do eight meetings, but you have twelve weeks to do it. So we know life stuff comes up, and you may have to miss one or two, but. So we came up with you have to come back for eight transitions groups, and it became a rule of the house. (laughs) Eight transitions groups, and it has to be done in 12 weeks, and you can't miss two back-to-back. Right. So you know what I mean? But that was awesome. That was the the good stuff. Like if things weren't working, we could change it. Right. You know? And and everyone had their input, and if it blew up in our face, then we went back to the way it was. But it was, dude. If I didn't go to that place, and I <clears throat> I don't have the experience you have. I never went to any other treatment centers or anything like that. Right. I did Bridgie, and that was it. Yeah. You know, but. Bridgewater. Jail, everything, jail treatment. What, everything, yeah. That was a, that <laughs> was a story. Those two words go together. Yeah, that was a yeah. story. Sitting in friggin' 
the holding tank over here in Quincy. You want to go to jail or detox? <laughs> detox. Yeah, okay, yeah, detox is in Bridgewater, Bridgewater State Prison. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. You know, yeah. that was that was my f- first and only section 35 and I did it myself. Oh, did you? Yeah. So, did you go did you go to a sober house or? No. Uh like I said, my daughter, she was born. Oh, your oh yeah. Okay, yeah. And uh now at this point, her mother's kind of not doing good. So, from cancer or from using? From or? Using. using. Oh, using. Okay. So, uh I got out and I was trying to, do, you know, I was doing the right thing for a while, and um, you know, just struggling, trying to get by, staying clean, going to meetings. I kept up with all yeah. that for a while, but now I have the stress of, like, there was so much going on with my daughter, neglect, and you know, not being taken care of. Um, and I had a friend that I had went through um, Middleton with that was like just fight for custody of her. And I was like, how the hell am I going to get custody of my record? Like, I'm yeah. a mess. Like, yeah. I'm a retard on paper. If they look at me, they're going to be like, yeah, right, sure, kid. See you later. Yeah. But I ended up getting custody of her. Yeah, you're she the father. Was, right. But my record and, you know, yeah. I'm just newly sober. Listen. So it's like, I thought there was matter. no chance in hell same that scenario. I was getting this kid. I, same scenario. But uh, she just was like an, you know, knucklehead. She yeah. was just, she made it easy for me. Yep. Like, she attacked me in the courthouse and... Like she would leave messages that would like saying, oh, "I'm gonna kill my, you know, kill your daughter if, like, just none, like it was nuts." Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I went That's and scary. I fought and I, you know, and I got custody of her and I've had it since she was one. She's 15 now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I mean, I got out of turnabout. The meetings and all that stuff kind of subsided. You know, I had this one-year-old kid that I was taking care of. I didn't even know how to take care of myself. Yeah. So now it's like I just got clean. I'm loving where I'm at, and now I got this kid dropped in my lap. So it's like there's no more time for me. Yep. It's all about my daughter. Yeah. And it's like I had to, you know, jump into that role. That's so that's why meetings and myself. That's why I had to take off because of my daughter. Everything <laughs> took the back seat. Working full time. Yeah, working full time. I had a good job. I had my own place. Yep. I had my daughter. Like everything was going of, great. You know. Yeah. There's so many aspects to it. So now this went on for, you know, a good amount of years, you know, and she was probably, I want to say like six or seven when I relapsed. Mm. Um, The neighborhood I was living in, I bumped into like an old dude and it was just a perfect storm. I just got out of a relationship with a girl that I loved, you know, so I was just like hung up on that, you know, I let that affect me. And, uh, you know, because I would cling on to these, you know, attach myself to these relationships that were no good. And and you probably weren't doing your recovery the way it was no, before you got I your daughter. I wasn't. That all fell, yeah. you know, yeah. fell to the side, yeah. which is where I messed up. You know, yeah, because it's like I just and we didn't. think we're okay, you know, and exactly. we are for for a certain amount of time. We, you know, could be ten months, could be ten years. We don't know. Sometimes, no. sometimes you have a feeling that you need to self sabotage because you don't feel like you deserve it. Yeah, yeah. You know, people are Absolutely. out checking your mental, your spiritual condition, your, your mental health. You know, you don't have people around you to, to bounce things off of, and then you right. start going downhill. The, oh, yeah. Yeah, mental, your own thinking just mental, brings uh, you to places. Yeah. Yeah, so I had her, and uh, it, everything was, you know, it was, it was good for some, you know, a good amount of time. But um, that's where my mistake was. I stopped taking care of myself, and mm. I put my recovery on the back burner, and um, that was my mistake because I need that every day. 
You know, you, I, you say you did AA, a lot of AA? Or? AA, NA, I was doing the big book, I was doing the steps, you know, and that just, yeah. which is what was keeping me clean, which is what was giving me my right. sobriety. You know, it's like I always like the, the saying where we don't own our recovery, it's rented, and the rent's due every day. Yeah, right. So without that, and that's where I'm at now. Yeah. But uh, So I relapsed, and I had a job, I had an apartment, I had a kid. I can't go into a detox, I can't go into a program. That's when I got onto methadone. Oh, and uh, yeah, it was good at first. Like, of course, it was. You know, <laughs> I'm like, you're spiritually sick. It's a solution, it's right? A, it's a number. It's a number. It's a number. You yeah. know, and uh, it kept me clean for a while. Yeah, but yeah. then get methadone, off the street drugs, right? And if I did get high, it wasn't like I was sick. It was like it would hold me. I didn't yeah. have to go on a crazy tear. And so what you're saying is you started doing heroin. I had a you know a couple you know I used a few times here and there throughout yeah. it you know yeah. throughout the process of it. Well, and, um, your health was started started to fail fail with the uh, absolutely that the methadone took such a number on me mentally physically like I gained weight. Yeah, I was depressed all the time. I would want to sleep all the time. Um, I noticed that because I tried it too, and like they were telling me, "Oh, you need six months." Blah blah. I'm like, "No, you guys have a 30 day program. That's all I want." And that's what I should have done. And and back then it was self it was self pay. I was paying myself. I didn't have insurance, so I could pay 110 bucks every week to the every week to this <laughs> to this company. Yep. I won't mention any names. <laughs> and uh, you know they dose me every day, every and they're day. asking me coaching me hey how do you feel how do you feel and i'm like what do you mean sweat sweat yeah. i'm like sweaty the chills like <laughs> you got stomach cramps yeah, yeah and then yeah. but dude i only went up to 35 because i i i was I'm looking around i'm like i do not want to look like these fucking zombies. people so everyone's got zombies. a cane so everyone's red face yeah. <laughs> what you're insinuating and what i think that i want to ask you about is do you think that um the tendency was for them to want you to they want to put you up as high as they can get you. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's because they get more no money. Out of what, they tell you you're not on a stable dose. You got to go up. Yeah. You, whether you feel all right or not. You, and increasing your dose, of course, means more money for them. Absolutely. I, I assume so. Yeah. It's gotta. Yeah. I was so you, talking with uh, someone at um, a recovery graffiti event. The other day, oh, yeah. um, shout out to twenty four hourpower dot com, uh, mm. Susan Lordy, and you know this woman works in the field, and like her mission right now is to bring education to physicians who don't understand. Oh, there's such a disconnect. Yeah, and she's yeah, trying to bridge that gap between you know us addicts and and physicians with opioids and medication and right you know because there isn't like some some people have no clue even with the methadone no yeah like oh, they well, they have no clue the side effects that you tell them they're like no that's not you know that's oh do you this. feel that shit in that's, your bones that's gotta be something else it's you not the it methadone that's doing it yeah yeah well, it doesn't get into your bones who knows what what they're being told or what they're thinking right yeah um but uh you have a mental obsession with a drug. We know in recovery that it's, it's uh, mental, spiritual. You pass me that water. Physical, mental, and spiritual. Okay. And they're giving you something else 
to take the place of it, which is a drug. Absolutely. It's not giving it's not taking you off a mental obsession. No, it isn't. It's doing nothing like that. No, it's curbing your craving. It's just curbing your cravings yeah. and giving you another drug to take. Yeah. And then they're upping your dose. So upping your dose is not moving you towards being a normal human being. Yeah. And and like listen, I know people who have been completely successful on the methadone program. Yeah, it's a very small percent though. Yeah. Like they went on it. They did exactly what they needed to do. Like, I'm not knocking methadone. There's there's people out there that do it and they do it Some correctly. Swear by it. And there's okay. there's people that have been on it for life and they function as a normal human being in society. You would never ever know. But for the hopeless variety and the straight junk bombs like myself, me, huh? Me I'm too. gonna keep going up and going up and going up. And, and then when that oh, doesn't you start work. testing for heroin, all right, I'm gonna just do coke now. Like when I was yeah. on it, they or pills, clonopins. When I was on it, to... they prescribed benzos with it. Oh yeah, that was in ninety six, ninety seven. Like you saw the psych, and they put you on Valium or clonopin or fucking something. Yeah, something. It was and it was crazy. So, like, I didn't know how to get off it. And you're going to tell us about that in a, in a second, but like this one lady that was dosing, I got friendly with, and she was really nice. And uh, I'm like, I don't want to be on this, Gloria. This, I do not want to look like these people. This is crazy. And she's like, you self pay, right? I'm like, yeah. She goes, stop paying. I'm like, what? Yeah, she goes, stop, stop paying. paying, and I have to detox you. They'll bring you down I'm real like, quick. Oh, huh? and I did it, and I was okay. Yeah, for a while. Until I bumped into the guy. Yeah. If you can, have, you could have the worst habit in the world, and somebody locks you in a cell for five days, and you're like, fine. Yep. I'm all good. No, no, no. We need six months to take you down slowly because, you know, easier, yeah. softer way. And oh, whatever, whatever. In jails, I, I seen this dude, Shep, his last name, Shepard, fucking 180 milligrams he got locked up on. And he's, dude, I woke up. From a noise. I was like, what is that noise? It was him dry heaving in the bathroom. I was the first time I did time. There was a guy that hung himself. Really? Kicking methadone and benzos. Oh. Oh, hung himself in the cell across from me. Yeah. It's awful. You know. So now you're on the clinic. Now I'm on the clinic. You, now you the got, cycle you, begins. Yeah. Yeah. Up and down. You know, I hated being on it, but I couldn't get off it. Mm. It was like, it was misery. You can't go nowhere. Because you're stuck, you got to go there every yeah, day. Yeah. You know, you can't go on a camping trip, God forbid, because yeah. you can't be away from there for two days. Yeah. So that went on for years, and uh, it was just a struggle. You know, I didn't want to be on it because the person it made me was just—I was miserable, depressed, no energy at all, like eating crap. Like my appetite was just wanting to eat junk food and yeah. sugar, and yeah. you yeah. know, and uh. I I would go through this thing where I I I wanted I wanted to get off it, and this was like years of this, that I would go down, I'd get to a certain point, and I'd start feeling crappy, and then I'd you know use and then start going back up again, and yeah. it was like that constant cycle of that for years, and uh, I just became a different person on it, you know, and um, it was just miserable, you know. Everybody around me was like people that had actually, you know kind of steered me in that direction we're like we're so sorry that we told you to get on this like yeah. we really didn't know the yeah. half of it yep and um 
you know, it was just for me, it was just bad. And uh, yeah, it was just tough. Yeah, it was tough because it was just no way to live. You know, it was like just substituting one thing for another, and it yep. was handcuffed to this place. Liquid handcuffs. You know, I can't miss a day. I can't get, you know, I'm scared to death of anything. Yeah. Because if, you know, I'm, I don't want to be sick. Right. You so know. so you end up, how do you end up coming off it? Um, well, I ended up coming off it because, you know, I went through, my father passed, you know, this past July. And, you know, it was a rough, you know, it was a rough thing for me. He, he, you know, he struggled with cancer for years. Um, wouldn't get treatment. He swore, you know, either God was going to cure him, or he was trying chaga root or some other herbal thing. And, yeah, yeah. But he had this fear of hospitals that mm. he went through something when he was a kid that like traumatized him forever. Yeah. You know, some operation that he went on and he couldn't drink or eat anything for like a week, and he was just suffering. So he had like this. This thing in the back, probably of his mind. like a PTSD type thing. Yeah, and he just yeah. would he would not do anything. Yeah. And, you know, it's like so he didn't go to the doctor or nothing. No, he wouldn't. And it went from something that was curable and treatable, which is what they said. I mean, who knows? He could have went through yeah. chemo and died early. I mean, I mean, I don't know. So yeah. he struggled with this for years, you know, and he, um, you know, suffered. He really suffered for years with catheters. He had bladder cancer. Yeah, and um. I would always tell him, you know, you don't want to go to the hospital, but you're going to end up there anyways, whether you like it or not. Yeah. But he just didn't listen. Um, I think it was July 3rd at like 3 in the morning I got a call. I was downstairs. My father was on the third floor. So it was my mother, and she sounded like there was an emergency. I thought somebody broke into the house. So I'm like looking for a weapon and running upstairs. Yeah. And uh, it was my dad. He had a heart attack. And when I got upstairs, he was dead, like cold there was no pulse so i'm like i froke out you know i started freaking out yeah uh i just wasn't ready for it you know i knew it was coming but when it happened yeah like i just wasn't mentally prepared for it so i kind of broke down and was freaking out shaking him rubbing him and i got him back i got him back and you know his heart he started warming up his heart started going i'm rubbing his chest so he started to come back and uh so they're calling the ambulance i carry him you know, I shoulder him and carry him downstairs to the front of the house and was sitting on the stairs. I got him on the step below me and just got him cradled, you know, yeah. in my arms. And he's like, he was just peaceful. And I was like, I regretted. I felt bad afterwards because it, I felt like I was selfish because I just. That you brought him back. Right. Because now uh, here we are. Guilt. Right. Because uh, I just wasn't, it was more for myself. Yeah. You know, he would—he had already suffered for years with this problem. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and it got bad, just everything. You know, like he, he couldn't pee right. He, you know, he had catheters in. Yeah, yeah. And it just, it was a horrible way of life for him. So I felt bad. You know, I felt like I, you know, I shouldn't have. I should have just let him go peacefully. Hmm. So now here he is. He goes to Mass General and he's, uh, he had a heart attack, a major heart attack. Valves in his heart. He's like all kinds of problems with his heart. You know, he's got the bladder cancer. Now, due to the tests they do for his heart, they put the dyes through your, you know, your system to go into your heart. They kill his kidneys. His kidneys are shot now because of those dyes. They just, his kidneys couldn't process them. Yeah. So now he's in renal failure. 
So now we got all these different teams in Mass General that are, you know, trying to set up the right course of action. Like, how are we going to tackle this? Yeah. You know, he's got the cancer. He's got the heart problems that he either needs a bypass or, like, stents put in his heart. And now he's got his kidneys failing. Yeah. So uh, we were going in a certain direction. But then he just, you know, he had said to the doctor or the nurse, he said, uh, if my heart stops again, I don't want to be brought back. He said, I'd just like to go peacefully the way I felt when I was in my son's arms. I'd like to just pass in his arms again, you know, like if yeah. it goes to that route. So mm, wow. that kind of, you know, it it hit me. Nobody was ready for him to die. Everybody's still holding on to this, like, miracle that's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm more, I mean, I believe in God. I believe miracles happen, but this just wasn't. It was that. his time to go. It yeah. was his time to go. And he was ready. And he, he suffered won- enough. Absolutely. So now it's to the point where he's not getting treated, so it's time for him to go. Mm. You know, So they set up hospice, and they gave him three days to live. So hospice came in, and they have all kinds of awesome service. The people that were there were awesome. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't really... My father was always a private guy. My family's been a private... You know, they just... So we didn't take advantage of all their services we just had like the nurses that came in and uh you know they were you know they'd come in and check on him every day so a lot of it fell on me like my mother couldn't do it my brother couldn't do it um so a lot of it i shouldered you know he didn't die in three days he went three weeks of just a slow death which is just a nightmare which they're Loading him up with pain medication to just keep him comfortable. Yeah, and you're now you're on methadone still, still on methadone. Yeah, so now you got to give your dad his medication, Dilaudid, morphine. Yeah, yeah. All it, which mm. is kind of what you know led to it afterwards. But what had happened was he he just like when they're on hospice they don't give them fluids. They don't do anything to prolong it. It's if, just, if he doesn't eat and drink, then that's, that's, that's it. it. Like they give them medication just for like, you know, fluid that builds up in their mouth. And, yeah. But he had like about 15, 20 medications. So it was like around the clock here. I'm emptying out kidney bags full of blood every couple hours. Mm. Emptying out catheter oh, bags. Like it was a nightmare for three weeks. But I did it because that's what he wanted. He wanted to go that way. You know, he wanted to be in the house. He wanted to die in the house and with us. And uh, and we provided it for him. You know, he mm-hmm. went out the way he wanted to go. But uh, it was tough, and I didn't realize how tough it was until after. You yeah. know, I was just on, like, robot mode. Yeah, Going right. through the motions, taking care of him because nobody else could. But once it was over, like, that's when it all hit. And it Do you in. have uh, anger towards other family members for not helping? No, not at all. Not at all. It was just... Well, short story. My brother, oh, sorry. My brother had, uh, my brother just he tried mushrooms like once. That was the only thing he ever tried, and he had like a bad trip, mm. and he had like a death trip where, you know, he was like into the, you know, just had a bad trip about, and it was like this thing that he had about death, and he's had this fear ever since, mm. and it was hard for my mother to deal with it because, it was just too much. Yeah. You know, she was doing so much else in the house as well. So how how old was my father? Yeah, uh, I want to say seventy two. Yeah, so he yeah he had you when he was pretty pretty old. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he um, 
you know, he passed. And it was the day before my birthday. I always set my alarm at 10 o'clock. And it was, uh, we started noticing his breathing changed. So you could tell, like, this, this is the end. Yeah. And uh, wow. that it was the day before my birthday, July 25th, 10 o'clock. I set my alarm every morning. So it's like, I don't even know what the time is, but we're, you know, we gather everybody because we think, like, this is the last, you know, few minutes he has. Yeah. So uh, my mother was there, my brother was there, my daughter was there, and uh, my daughter had a real good connection with him. Like, they were really close. Um, he passed, and then my alarm, right when he passed, my alarm started going off. Like, it was just just weird coincidence, you know, just, like, weird timing. or You know, it was like, it just, you know, the next day is my birthday. I didn't even want to celebrate it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's like I had to change my alarm because... I don't want to, you know, it's like at that time, so now I'm changing my alarm to a different time because it just, I don't know, it was just tough. That, no, right? I didn't want to think Every about it. Time, yeah. And uh, I went through all those stages of grief. Like I was mad at him. You know, I broke down. So I ended up relapsing. Um, started getting high again. So you were on the methadone and you stopped the methadone and just started using dope? No, I was doing both. Oh, you were on both? Yeah, I was, I was getting <laughs> dope. Well, fentanyl because there's no dope anymore anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm getting a bunch of dope and trying to cut through the methadone. Uh, and it so wasn't. So dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, God. So I was lucky I didn't die. Yeah. You know, it's only the grace of God that I'm still here. But, yeah. So now I relapse and I'm trying to not go off the rails. But I'm still getting high. I'm still putting myself in situations that are sticky, buying drugs, being in areas that I'm not supposed to be, dealing with people that I shouldn't be dealing with. Mm. And uh, I ended up getting arrested because uh, I had drugs on me. And um, here I am, Salt Bay, no bail, and sick as a dog, kicking fentanyl, methadone, of about 90 milligrams of methadone. I was doing about, 20 ba- uh, about 10, $20 bags a day. Um, so I mean, my habit was up there. Yeah, and uh, that's not the nice. Oh man, they don't I, give you nothing. But I was hurting. Yeah, I was dying for like two months. Like yep. I was sick as a dog. I couldn't even walk. I was so weak I couldn't eat. Just the methadone alone, like it was the worst kick I ever had in my life. Like I, I was on the second tier. I couldn't even walk downstairs. Yeah, like I was gonna collapse. My I was so weak. You know. So I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. I Sally didn't. must have loved it. Oh no! I actually had an all right dude. <laughs> all right dude, because I was like, I mean, it was I was miserable. I was puking all the time. I was up yeah. all night tossing and turning on this thin mattress. My back's killing me. My hips are killing me. Mm. You know, it's it just sucks. like I went through hell. And, uh, yeah. And it lasted two months. It's not like a you know when I've kicked yeah. heroin a week I'm starting to feel better. No, yeah. this went for two months. The methadone. Took how long so were you on? Long. How long were you on the methadone before? this happen uh it's probably like eight years Oof. Eight yeah years. and i'm telling you man this this side effects of that shit that they don't talk about oh absolutely absolutely and i never thought i'd get back to the way i am now yeah like, i really thought like this is like yeah, i was stuck in that you know state of depression and just, just yeah. so hopeless absolutely hopeless i hadn't you know i'd never thought that i'd get back to you know being like i feel like i'm a kid again yeah and it's like so, it's yeah just, so what are you what are you doing now to maintain sobriety i go to meetings uh, i joined an iop in east boston 
which mm. is uh, I do at night. So it's like I wake up at 3.30 in the morning, I work out, I make breakfast, I go to work, right from work, I fly to East Boston so I can make it in time for, you know, groups and therapy, mm. counseling. Um, nice. I got a sponsor. Cool. Um, back going to meetings, and um, I'm going to start doing the 12 steps again. Big book. You know, everything I did, they got me clean before. Yeah, yeah. when you came out of turnabout. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's like a, a big thing now for me is throughout all the years of using, I, I, you know, there was a shame that I had of it. Yeah. You know, I'd meet a new girl. I would not want to tell her, like, I'm an addict. Yep. You know, it's like right. I, it was part of me that I just Sti- didn't. Stigma. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to. And, and it wasn't anything that you did. It was just what you had heard from people. Right. Oh, how you're is this, in, you're, like, you're how in recovery? Is this girl going to like me? Yeah, yeah. Like, she's way out of my league, and I'm going to tell her I'm an addict. Yep. You know, so it's like, for years, I would still, that, that whole thing about identity. Yep. Right. You know, trying to be something that they want me to be. Yep. You know, who they yep. think I should be. Yeah, put yourself and in situations that you shouldn't be in, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Know? And it's like everything would start off with lies. Yeah. You know, and my. Yep. So it's it got to even like family members, immediate family members knew about my addiction, but a lot of my other family didn't. So now this time it's like everything's out. You know, I talk yeah. about it. Everybody knows That's it, man. Where I've it's come so from. much easier. So Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it's it, like such a stress that's been relieved. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I know normal people, and like I'll share a little bit with them, and they're like, "What?" You know, yeah. like, and to me, it's like not a big deal. The shit that I've been through and the shit that I've done, like, but to a normal person, they're like, they're like "Whoa, you fucking, you, what did you do?" You know? Right. Yeah. It just blows their mind. Well, I always like to, uh, you know, we are what we repeatedly do. You know what I mean? Mm. So, and you, you can't love yourself really unless you unless you respect yourself. You know what I mean? And you're not going to respect yourself unless you, you you're honest and you do good things that you that you feel are good things. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, and that's what it's uh, that's what it's all about for me. You know, it's like. I, the things that are coming into my life today are just amazing. Yeah. You know, the doors that are opening up, the people that are coming into my life, it's just, it's unbelievable, honestly, for me. Yeah. It's something, you're, you've been rocketed into that fourth dimension of existence. It's, it is. And, and, and people it's, are like, what does that mean? It's scary. You're living it's a life great. that you've never lived. It's the life I've always wanted. Right. But you've but never I had it. never grasp it. Yeah. It was and now, always just out of reach. Now here you are. And now here it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's been a big thing for me is like, I look back now and it's like so many wasted years in jails and, you yeah. know, getting high. And, you know, it's like. But I that, that's like, not what it is today. No. It's like, you know, right. that all has like hit me where I'm like, wow, like I'm fine. It, yeah. it took me this long, but I'm finally here. Yep. You got some gratitude. You're, oh, you're so taking much action. Gratitude. Gratitude. It's so funny because like we were talking earlier. I'm grateful for the littlest things. Yeah. I get up at five in the morning and this dude's post <laughs> says an hour and a half ago. And I'm like, what the? What, what, does this dude sleep? No. Nope. Like, what the fuck's going on? Like I, a couple of weeks ago, I think you were out running at yep. like four in the morning. <laughs> Dark out and shit, and I'm like, this and the dude. funny thing is that, but is I started talking to this girl who was in the army, yeah, and she's telling me about these crazy runs that she goes on. So it's like I'm gonna go fucking run, yeah. you know, because I'm up at three thirty <laughs> in the morning. And I'm all running. Run. I, I made some motivation. I downloaded right? an app. 
You, know, you weren't running when run. you was on the clinic. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Except running late, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I got uh, into this whole you know thing. Like uh, I downloaded the app, and I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna run too. So when she comes down here, and we'll go run together. Yeah. And yes. it's like I got the app on, and I'm running, and I, I feel like I ran ten miles, you know, and I'm yeah. out of breath, and I'm dying, and the app's like, you've run like point three miles. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So well, I'm good, one step at a time. Yes, All right, we yeah. got to wrap it though. Yes, awesome. but uh, yeah, it was awesome to have you on. Yeah, I'm glad that you lot, reached brother. out, and you know, you talked about that. You were like, "Listen, I I, I want to tell my story now." Yeah, this and, is something yeah. I would never have done before. That's why we're. Uh, that's that's why we do this. You it's know, for, the, about, for the people bro. that you know don't know what to do, don't know how to do this, are afraid ashamed of this, are of afraid the stigma. Yes, yeah, you got to yeah, let go fuck of that. the stigma. Yeah, fuck the stigma. Is yeah. right. Um, so, like, like Mike did. Anyone that wants to share their experience, strength, and hope with us, please. I have Hit us several messages that people have reached out to me, and I, um, we're booked up until, like, almost the end of December right now. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know? Good um, stuff. LOLterms.com. Uh, you, can wa- you can listen to all of our podcasts on Podcast, there, or yeah. you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play. You can watch it on YouTube, and we always do the Facebook Live. All right. That'll so, be it. All right. Peace. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Thank you. I live in this